Hi everyone and welcome to Dead to Rights, the podcast video for the crime genre industry. I'm your host, Donna Carrick. Today we'll be bringing you a great show. We're going to be featuring author Lynn Murphy, who is the author of a series of caper short stories featuring seniors living in a condo that, that uh, caters to seniors. And it's really a very funny series of stories. You can find them, for example, in all of the Maydams of Mayhem anthologies, including our most recent, In the Key of Thirteen. So it's going to be really great to talk to Lynn. You're really going to enjoy her. She's got an extensive background in writing, in journalism, and she was the founder of the Toronto chapter of Sisters in Crime. She was one of the three founding members. So you'll really enjoy meeting Lynn, and I'm very pleased to bring her for you. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you a little bit about our upcoming anthology. Carrick Publishing will be producing a crime story anthology in the fall of 2020, if all goes well, related to COVID and such. And we are welcoming short stories from our new authors and existing authors. So the deadline to submit a short story is June 1st. Please send it directly to me at carrickpublishing at rogers.com. Now, for um, the submission guidelines, you can go to www.carrickpublishing.com. But just to give you a bit of a rundown, the story length will be between 1,500 and 8,000 words. There must be a crime in the story. It is a crime anthology. And it must feature an illness, as the title suggests, a grave diagnosis. So again, look for our story submission guidelines at www.carrickpublishing.com and submit your story to me at Donna, sorry, at carrickpublishing at rogers.com. And in the subject line, please be sure to say story submission, a grave diagnosis. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can about it. Sub submission deadline is June 1st. Now, if you're an author in the crime genre and would like to be interviewed on Dead to Rights, I'd be really pleased to hear from you. Please send me an email at carrotpublishing at rogers.com and in the subject line say Dead to Rights interview. And I would be happy to bring you on the show. We try for weekly episodes each season. We're now in season three and I think we're somewhere around about episode 71 featuring Lynn Murphy. Now, before I bring Lynn on, I have a quick public service announcement to, to bring you related to COVID-19. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up two to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come in contact with or are in an area where an ongoing outbreak is happening, please call a hotline and or consult a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Thank you. And of course, if you're in Canada, you can look up the Canadian government website for details. And now I'm very happy to bring you Lynn Murphy. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Welcome to Dead to Rights. How are you? I'm bored to tears with this isolation, but uh, otherwise I'm fine. You know, That's I think good. a lot of people are suffering from 
being disconnected from their friends and their family and so on. Yes, yes, and all the things that you love to do, it's true. Yes. I mean, our big excitement was we got out for the early morning shopping this morning, so <laughs> we do that <laughs> Friday morning before work, so. <laughs> well, my excitement one day was doing the laundry, so. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's bad when laundry is exciting. <laughs> Are you getting a lot of writing time? Um, I'm writing some. I've got a story done for uh, to submit to your new anthology, which I'm sure oh. we'll be talking about. And Excellent. I'm also finishing off a novella that I'm writing for my writing group. I, I don't know what's going to happen to that, but uh, I'm working on that now. Is there a working title for the novella? The working title was uh, When Trouble Came, which is a quote from, uh, I think it's... Um, Oh, forget the poet now. But anyway, he says his everybody else lived happy lives and, and he was always ready for trouble. He was always worrying about things. So he was ready when trouble came. So oh, okay. <laughs> well, I kind of like that working title, but you say that was the working title. Have well, you it, that was when it was a novel. And then I reached the point where I am just uh, don't have the energy to do a full novel anymore. So I turned it into a novella, which changed the plot a bit. So I'm not, it's about a woman who kills people, which um, is not my <laughs> usual line of story writing, but, uh, uh, no, but I'm really no, enjoying it. No, no, those who are not familiar <laughs> with Lynn Murphy, please check out any of the May Dams anthologies and uh, look for Lynn Murphy's stories. They generally take place in a very specific community and they are humorous and they are lighthearted and they are mysteries and they are usually just a lot of fun and extremely well written. Now this one is quite different. You've got a um, You've got a character who's going around killing people. That's not your usual. Tell us a little bit about your character. Well, she, it, she was born after her father was killed in the war. He was, uh, her mother was pregnant when he went overseas. And then her mother died and she was raised by unloving grandparents. So she never had any love in her life. She had, you know, um, they didn't really want her. They, she was their duty to raise. And so it warped her in certain ways. And um, I won't tell you about who, who she's killed, who she kills, but so far she's killed four people. So okay, <laughs> it's kind of a, a <laughs> diversion for me. Having fun killing off all these people. <laughs> My writing group doesn't know what to make of it. <laughs> uh, it's quite unlike you to go around killing people, Lynn. <laughs> Well, you know, Donna, I have a terrible time not writing funny. I've, the story in Let the Sunshine In, which is in the key of 13, yes. um, is uh, the um, inspiration was the w nurse who killed, I think, eight people in um, nursing homes with injecting them with insulin. And I thought I would write about murders in uh, nursing home and so I wrote the story and a reviewer said it was fun filled or laugh filled I believe so I <laughs> which was not what I meant to start out doing <laughs> they killed off these poor seniors and I couldn't I know. laughing <laughs> I know, I, know. Uh, it, uh, I didn't mean mean it to be laugh filled but if that's what 
the reviewer got out of it. So, well, that's I guess just your touch. Your touch just comes through. That's uh, nothing you can do about it. You know, uh, we all have our own particular bent when we begin. We think we're going to do one thing, but our bent soon reveals itself. You know, I, I often start out trying to do something lighthearted, and ha ha, we know how that goes. <laughs> yes, yeah. The, the, um, no, it it. No matter how hard I try, I can't write. Uh, well, I can't write violence for one thing, mm -hmm. and I I couldn't ever do anything where children were injured or something like mm -hmm. that. So, uh, but I do try hard to uh, get more serious, and and uh, <laughs> I don't succeed. I guess <laughs> it's a tall so order. It's a tall order, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, what is your character's name? Oh, the the character, the murderer. Well, I'm calling her Kirsty, which is uh, a Scottish uh, nickname for Christine, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, and somebody said to me that's a very lighthearted name, and I said, well, I don't think so. The first syllable is curse, so yes, or cursed. So it's not really a lighthearted name. Uh, yeah, I, that was not intentional. I wasn't thinking of that at the time. I just I know that you often put some thought into the, the characters' names. And you've got so many really vibrant characters. How, how do you come up? With, do you have like a set methodology for coming up with character names? Do you assign them? Um, no, no. Sometimes I name them after people I know. Like my ladies in the, um, in the condo, those condo stories about the golden elders. And uh, I named them names which were close to people I knew in the condo, not necessarily that they represented those people. Oh no, I, all characters are truly fictional. <laughs> very fictional. Some of them are combinations of people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, uh, I think that's, uh, that's, a common, that's a common way of doing it. Um, because really there is nothing new under the sun. And when we write characters, we do draw on people we know. But they are fictional, so, and they have to be fictional. So they're often composites of uh, many people we know. Well, some, sometimes people will say, am I in it? And, oh, I know in the, um, the story, which is in... This one, your previous anthologies, World Enough World and Crime, Crime, yeah. the story about the ladies growing pot in the condo, and one of my neighbors uh, uh, had a bad shoulder at the time, and the ladies in the condo were going to grow pot to, this was before it was legalized here in Canada, to, so that she could have pot cookies and things to ease the pain in her shoulder. So uh, one of the women in the, my friends in the condo was asked if she was in the story and she said, well, my shoulder is in it. <laughs> <laughs> the shoulder, yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, the stories are really, really good. Now, they've, they've appeared in all of the May Dams anthologies, 13, 13 O'Clock, 13 Claws, in the Key of 13. They've also appeared in the Carrick anthologies, at least in World Enough and Crime. Yes. Um, and they've also appeared in some other places. Can you tell this us? Is the, um, the whole shebang, which are the Sisters in Crime uh, The whole shebang. I'm in two of those. Mm -hmm. What are the stories called in the whole shebang uh, series? The one was called The Troublemaker. And now what was the name of the one in the other one? Goodness, it's so long ago that that came out. A Terminal Affair. 
a ter- ah, I like that, a terminal affair. Yes, and the yes. troublemaker. <laughs> That's a good Lynn Murphy title. The troublemaker was a combination of two men in my condo who, one of them who used to go around inspecting the recycling and the garbage and taking things out of the garbage that had been put in there wrongly and putting them in recycling. And the other man was a a gardener, a dedicated gardener, and he actually used to go around planting orange marigolds Although our co- we had a garden committee and we had worked out a color scheme of pink, blue, and purple mauve, and he oh, kept an orange marigolds. <laughs> and so, did they bump him off, Matilda? <laughs> well, not on purpose. It was accidental, but he did die. And they sent orange marigolds to his funeral. So, oh, good. The ladies good. in the condo use of them. <laughs> <laughs> so they killed him, but they couldn't make the charges stick. It was just an accident. <laughs> it was an accident, actually. They didn't mean to kill him. They just meant to frighten him. And uh, that was that was one that um, Jack Batten, in his review of the book, called that one hilarious. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I find that most of your stories are hilarious. So if anybody is not familiar with Lynn Murphy's work, um, please look her up in any of these anthologies. Her short stories are really delightful, really funny. You're going to laugh. There's no question. And they're extremely well written. They're well crafted. Lynn, tell us a little bit about your background. I, I believe you were a journalist and you were a founding member of Sisters in Crime Toronto as well. That's right. I was a journalist. I worked for um, a newspaper in Ottawa, and then I worked for CBC News in Toronto and Radio News. And um, that's where I learned to write tight. You you cannot go on describing the scenery and so on in mm-hmm. um, when you're writing for Radio News. And Actually, my writing group complains that I don't put in enough description. They always want more description. (laughs) I'm with you, you know, less is more, because people who love to read don't notice what's missing, but they notice what's there. And if it's missing, they fill it in in their minds. You know, their minds are very active when they're reading, and they're always filling things in. But if you go on ad nauseum about the curtains, I'm going to turn the page without reading it. I, I really don't care most of the time what people are wearing unless it's something significant. And I notice mm-hmm. that some authors always tell you what people are, are wearing and, and it gets mm-hmm. tedious. But yes. one thing I read a mystery writer, um, and I can't remember her name now, who said that she thought she wanted her readers to work a bit. Don't tell them everything. You know, mm-hmm. you can give them little hints, but make them work. And mm-hmm. I, I have that uh, theory, too, that they should have to work a bit. Yes, yes, I agree. I have uh, my, own, my own methodology is when I've done a novel, I'll go through and I'll search for L.Y. And uh, I will reduce at least 80% of the L.Y.s because they're just not needed. So writers out there, if you're new at this craft, there's a little tip for you. Word search L-Y and get rid of your adverbs and your redundant adjectives. That's, that's what I, uh, somebody said two adjectives is enough. You know, two adjectives is quite enough in a, in, in a description. Drop the rest, mm-hmm. leave the significant ones in. Yes, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, well, I generally get rid of about 80%. And actually, not so much anymore because I don't write them in as much anymore. I kind of taught myself to leave them out in the first place. But I still do the search. I do searches for other little key phrases. Um, some of these might make you smile. I call them Canadianisms. Things like just a little bit. <laughs> any dim, any diminutives? You know how Russians have their diminutive uh, phrases and, yes, and uh, yeah. affectionate diminutives. Well, Canadians we're just full of diminutives. Everything we do is just a little bit, or um, you know, somehow less significant. And so, whenever I use any of those words, I take them out because we're not less than, and our stories are not less than, and our situations are not less than. So we shouldn't describe them that way. It's like that phrase, as Canadian as possible under the circumstances, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm full of PanCon, I'm sure, that I'm not even aware of. But those diminutives, I do try to peel those out. Anyway, mm. you mentioned Sisters in Crime, and we founded it after a meeting of VoucherCon here. There's a VoucherCon conference here in uh, 1992. And... Um, a number of us uh, heard Sarah Paretsky speak there at, about Sisters in Crime and the need for promoting women crime writers. And we decided we should start our own Sisters in Crime. And extraordinarily enough, uh, Sylvia Maltash-Warsh and Catherine mm -hmm. Dunphy, who are both in my writing group, my small writing group, which is six people, um, we were they we all were founders of the Toronto chapter uh, 28 years ago. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. It really is. And uh, just mentioning Sarah Paretsky, I was such a huge fan of her V.I. Warsawski books. And uh, I, I'm sure I read absolutely every one of them for a period of about 10 years. So, yes, when I learned that she was, uh, she was a founding of the International Sisters in Crime, I was not at all surprised. And um, so it was yourself, Sylvia Maltash-Warsh, and Catherine Dunphy that and started so Sisters in Crime. Yes, and some other people too, but we are still members of the, you know, continuing on as members of the club. And, and also the three of us are in a, uh, the, our small writing group together. And um, Rosemary McCracken, she was not a founding member, but she's in our writing group. I know you interviewed her earlier this uh, Yes, in this yes, series. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her, her interview is already published. Hers was my very first yes. uh, video interview. Yes, I'm I saw learning that. as I go, so you have to bear with me through the technical learning. <laughs> well, we're, all the things. we're all doing that with, I'm uh, new to Zoom, fairly new to Zoom, so. Uh. <laughs> well, you're looking very well and you're sounding oh, very you. well. You're coming through perfectly, so no concerns, yeah. And, uh, and um, what, oh, what I was going to say about the writing group. The writing group is, uh, we meet once a month and uh, we send out our uh, submissions, our chapters or our short stories a few days before on email and then um, everyone critiques it and prepares for the meeting. And it is so useful. It's Sylvia yes. and I have been, Sylvia and I started the writing group together uh, right after we started, Sisters in Crime started up, 
and Sylvia and I have been together for 28 years. In the, That's incredible. In I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to rope Sylvia in for an interview sometime down the road. So far, so far, I haven't been able to twist her rubber arm, but I may be able to. <laughs> oh, I'll tell. I'll tell her it's a hoot, and then maybe she'll. <laughs> exactly. Tell her I didn't. I didn't bite. <laughs> I didn't bite at all. Now you are working on something for a grave diagnosis, which is the the Carrick Publishing anthology that is coming out in the fall of 2020. And do you have a working title for that story I'm that you can share? You may not want to share it. I'm calling it Woman Aglow right now, but I'm not sure I'm happy with that title. The idea for the story came to me when my daughter and I were in Panama in early February, just before all this mess started. And um, she gave me the idea. She went back to our hotel room from the pool one day early and uh, was sitting out on the balcony and she suddenly thought what if the balcony door has locked behind me and I'm stuck out here and mom doesn't come back from the pool for hours and the sun comes round and, <laughs> and, and she just cries yeah. yes. <laughs> she just cries exactly so she told mm -hmm. me about this when I came back and I thought hmm that's a suggestion for a story and then when you um put the theme of uh the new uh, that the theme was was illness or or uh, medicine a medical problem and mm -hmm. I know some people who have a condition called hypohydrosis which is the inability to perspire and I thought what if someone like that got locked out on a balcony oh, wow. in the wow. heat what would happen mm -hmm. They would boil, wouldn't they? <laughs> exactly. So this is the basis for the story, which is the woman aglow. But I don't really, woman on fire, maybe woman on fire. I don't know. I've got to get a new uh, title for it. Yes, yes. Well, I find sometimes when you're done writing, the title suddenly appears, you know. Um, it comes to you through the work, I find. Well, that's terrific. I can't wait to see it, uh, honestly, Lynn, and I'm really looking forward to it because uh, you're saying it's more serious. I'll let you know if I laugh. <laughs> no, I think it's, I think it gets funny too, Donna. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like cooking somebody on a balcony, you wouldn't. <laughs> You wouldn't think that would be funny. No, and yet, you know, <laughs> I know. Well, you don't have to apologize. I love your sense of humor. We've got a couple of uh, a couple of writer friends here in Toronto who are quite funny, and I consider you one among them for sure. The other being Melody Campbell that just comes to mind. She's always very funny as well. She can't seem to help it. And um, so, <laughs> you know, but there are people who just love and thrive on the sense of humor. So you never need to apologize for it. That's for sure. No, Melody, uh, I love Melody's stories and, and uh, her, um, her novellas. I, I still remember that one where the people sneaked into this house and moved the furniture around. Yes, the Lone that Ranger. <laughs> I was just mentioning that the other day. Nico, the Lone, Arran the lone yes. Rearranger. The Lone Rearranger. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard Melody read from that several times and I, I laugh every time, you know. Just. And I just, I haven't got a clue where it comes from for her because it just, it's hysterical. I mean, it comes down like diamonds and it, you just laugh, you know. Yeah. You can't yeah. help it. And I find that with your work too. Um, I'll just be reading along, reading along, and then all of a sudden a gem pops up. 
and you can't help but laugh. You can just picture these older ladies in their condo and uh, the antics they get up to, and they're everybody's aunt. You know, everybody's got an aunt like that. So it's very accessible to people. Yes, and, and you know, I, I actually, like I took characteristics from all my friends in the condo and sort of combined them into the different ladies. And um, uh, they, they enjoyed it, you know, they didn't mind yes. having these. <laughs> no, no, they wouldn't. That's right. They've yeah. been sort of immortalized. At least their shoulders have. <laughs> <laughs> I should let you swallow first, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you made me laugh. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Lynn. Can you tell us what you're going to be working on when you finish your novella? What's the next thing in the plans for you? I know you're I a great traveler, too. You must really be hurting. Sorry to jump the, the topic, but you must really be hurting on missing the traveling. Oh, yes. My daughter and I were going to go to Athens this month. And um, that's, I'm, uh, we're, getting a, we're getting a credit from the travel company agents. So I think, you know, if, if travel ever opens up again, we'll if get it to ever does, exactly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'll have to we'll have to do it in our imaginations. Alec and I were supposed to go to Paris and Barcelona on the twenty second of May, and uh, that, of course, is completely gone. And that was kind of our dream trip because we've been in the child raising years, and our last one goes off to university in the fall. So <laughs> we haven't done any trips since it's been over twenty years. Oh, so, wow! Yeah. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. We did. We went to China in 2003 and um we did small canadian trips small domestic trips like quebec city and st john's newfoundland and uh, things like that with the kids but nothing that was just an adult trip for us you know in over 20 years certainly so we were really looking forward to it but you know it's not just us it's everybody well yes and i hope that by the fall that we're able to to break loose and and do some more things but do you find it are you writing donna are you finding it difficult to write during these days or do you have time well, for it right I now am, primarily because i'm working from home with my company and i don't know if you've ever in, in your working years worked from home but what i found every time there's ever been a reason to work from home is you end up working very long hours you work a lot more than you ever thought you would so it's very difficult you know um it, it's very difficult to get the time and I'm very keen on getting this this video cast done and highlighting some of the writers that we know and love and uh, that's another thing that does take some time especially mastering it as a skill um, I would say mastering is a very strong word at this point <laughs> but trying to even just get the first learning curve underway is is takes time so I'm having difficulty writing and it's one of the reasons I threw out the anthology is because I know I'll do a story for it and that will get me going again you know um, because I, I'm not going to produce it without a story of my own in it of course that would just be self-defeating you know so <laughs> I thought that's a good fun way to get it going and uh, for anybody who's out there and has a story they'd like to submit it must have a crime it must have an illness and it must be between 1,500 and 8,000 words. 
And the deadline to submit to Carrick Publishing is June 1st. Send it to carrickpublishing at rogers.com in Word format. And uh, that's my little plug for that. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be sending mine in after my writing group goes over it for the second time. Uh, you know, be belonging to a writing group is a wonderful impetus to keep writing because we meet every month and you sort of feel a duty to these people who are willing to edit your, your th stories and or your yes. books and, and uh, uh, make suggestions and put their time into it, you feel a duty to write something for them. So yes, of course. Of course. It gives you a deadline. It gives you a yes, deadline. To yeah. And having mm -hmm. been a journalist, uh, I, I was used to working to deadlines. You know, you, mm -hmm. you've got to finish something and hand it in. <laughs> Yes, yes, good, bad, or ugly, it must go in. <laughs> yes, or have it ready for the new newscast, you know, so you can't sit around and th think, I am not inspired, because you have to write. That's right, that. that's right. You're inspired by wanting your paycheck. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. and, and also you have a, a duty to the people who are going to buy the newspaper or who turn on, or turn on the radio to provide them with something, and something new generally. That's right. That's right. Well, let's hope that this pandemic will be defeated soon and will not come back in the fall, like a lot of people are saying it will, and uh, that you'll be able to cash in your your coupon for your pending trip. My Athens and, trip. Yes, your Athens trip and have a great time. And in the meantime, just keep churning out the pages. That's all you can do. I know, Donna, but I find it under this this the stress of this it's hard to be creative too it you know, is. you know it what is. i mean it's hard to get your imagination working when things are so terrible uh yes in the outside yes. world yes i know i worry i worry about the people who are unemployed and even though i'm not on the camp that wants to race to reopen things because um I worry about health and safety of people even more, but I do really, the people who have lost jobs and uh, that really concerns me an awful lot because it's going to be very hard to come back from that. And uh, of course, you know, with so many tens of thousands of people dying, it, you can't even, you can't put the numbers in your head because it will just weigh you down terribly, you know? So. Yes, it's, it's very depressing. I have a friend who is a visual artist. She paints and now she's doing embroidery like collages and things and she says no she can work just fine. She can be creative with this hanging over her and I wonder if it uses a different part of your brain. Oh, yes, well, it it must. I know it uses a different part of your yes, brain but it's interesting does. isn't it? Yes it so, is. It is. Unfortunately, we get fed news through the same language parts of the brain that we try to transmit our own thoughts and creativity out through. And uh, so it's, it's the old thing of, you know, depression in, depression out. It's, um, it's very difficult to, to flip a switch inside our minds and come up with something different. So, you know, but we have to try. We do have to try. It's like an exercise almost. It's like getting out for a walk. Have you been able to get out and walk at all? Oh, yes. Yes, I would be 
stark staring mad if I didn't go out walking every day. <laughs> exactly. Even my husband, who tends to be just a big workaholic, even he has been going for a walk with me every day because even he has recognized that he cannot just sit there all the time so and just work. So anyway, Lynn, it's been really lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me on Dead to Rights. And well, thank uh, you for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. My great, very great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us today on Dead to Rights, the video podcast for the crime genre industry. I really want to thank Lynn Murphy for joining us today on the show. It was great hearing from Lynn about all the tips on uh, her writing career and her experiences. And I also want to thank Ted Carrick, who is the producer and performer and composer of our theme song for Dead to Rights titled Eyes of Gold. I'm always pleased to bring you that song. And if you'll stay with us, we're going to play the full piece at the end of the show. Thank you very much. Now, next week we've got coming Todd Bennett, author of the Cass Gentry Mystery Series. So please join us next week for that. And then following that, we're going to be bringing you an interview with Madonna Scaff who is a relatively new author on the scene, but is widely acclaimed for her series. And she's now uh, bringing out her second book in the series. So she'll tell us all about that. And then the following week, we'll be bringing you Joan O'Callaghan. So we've got a great lineup ahead of us. And I hope to see you next week. Dusty road, a man alone. His vital signs go on hold. And I don't know what you've been told. But the years have turned my eyes gold. And I told you what you told me. We'd never be in the same boat for free, yet it rides, let it rock.